0: Hello and welcome to Locked on Guardians. I want to thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day, free and available on all podcasting platforms, apps, and the like. Uh, again, downloading daily really helps the show grow, and I appreciate everything the fans do. I also enjoy uh, getting... I got my first uh, wraparound from Soul underscore Jason uh, at Fruit. and uh, his, I, we were his top podcast with... 1,690 minutes streamed uh, If I'm anywhere in your top 10 Go ahead and tag me at JeffMLBDraft Pass it along I think that's always fun to see uh, In general And I'm going to retweet all of those So if you've ever wanted to get a retweet from me If you've been using Spotify There's a simple way to do it uh, Let's You know there's a few things A few ways we can handle this There's a, the, the CBA The lockout is pretty much officially on There is a bunch of small moves, uh, but I think really we have to start with the Indians because they did something. Now, probably not what people wanted, not what people have been expecting throughout this process. I mean, this whole time people have been telling me, you know, I've been trying to temper expectations. (laughs) And I've had some people get um, quite irate and uh, insulting on Twitter as I tried to temper expectations that this team is not going to go out and sign, you know, Starling Marte, that even... You know, Mark Keneha, for as much as people like MLB trade rumors predicted him to the Indians, I, I didn't even know if they were going to spend that much on a single player. And, you know, spending before the CBA was was very unlikely. And here we are, and uh, they've added a minor league contract with a uh, spring training invite. We talked about how uh, I expected them to maybe do that with Taylor Clark. Uh, side note, if <laughs> you missed it, Taylor Clark signed a major league contract with the Royals. So uh, I might have liked him, but so did other people. Uh, and he got a major league deal with the Royals. So uh, yeah, that it didn't didn't take him long to land on his feet. But uh, yeah, the Indians, they're, I, I don't think they're going to increase payroll that much. Um, and if you're out there going, what about the salary floor? What about the salary floor? If you look at Jeff Passan's most recent tweets about what's it going through, and you look at MLB trade rumors, who are kind of putting it all together. You know, there's some areas where they're aligning. Uh, Originally, remember, the owners wanted to bring down the salary tax and put in that big salary floor. Well, the players want the salary tax to go up. It sounds like the, or salary, the luxury tax. The luxury tax will go up, and there will be no floor. Now, any deal is a far way off from occurring, but the most latest proposal from the owners we know had a increase of the luxury tax, not a decrease, which was in that proposal from the summer that also included the floor. Uh, and if they're going to increase the luxury tax, then the owners are also not going to include a salary floor. So there will be no salary floor, uh, it looks likely. So anyone who's counting on, hey, you know, an $80 million salary floor that the Indians have to go out and add like $30 million in payroll, uh, thats that's not happening. It's just not. It uh, looks like that's one of those things that's kind of off the table right now. But uh, we're going to get into the Indians' addition, the uh, uh, Anil de los Santos. We're also going to talk about two more subtractions from the Indians' front office. Uh, but let's start with the addition. So Anil de los Santos, I know I've said his name two different ways now, 6'3", 235, right-handed pitcher. Uh, he has had some ups and downs Uh, through his career, he pitched in the, um, the futures game. You'll see that everywhere. Uh, Seattle, Pittsburgh, San Diego to Philly. Uh, or, you know, that's not the correct order because he ended with Pittsburgh. Uh, but with, for Philadelphia in, you know, 2021, uh, he started the year missing a ton of bats. Like he had 12.2 strikeouts per nine, a 4.6 walk per nine across his minor league career. His strikeouts per nine were around eight, 8.5, and his walks per nine were around three. So he's very much kind of that Indian's traditional mold uh, type of guy. The The jump and strikeouts were interesting. He just, he didn't sustain it. Um, and when, even when you look at something like FIP, you know, his home run rate was extremely high. His walk rate approaching five made that an issue, and his hit rate was also extremely high. It's a weird combination to see a guy who is that hittable but also misses that many bats. Um, I'd really have to dig into the numbers, dig into the tape, and see exactly what was going on. End of the day, though, you trust the Indians when it comes to pitcher evals. Uh, Specifically, guys like this, they tend to do better with Uh, It's easier when they have more data, they have more tape. And they see something here uh, we've talked about many times that the bullpen's probably the number three need on this team outside of catcher in outfield and they, uh, you know, the adding De Los Santos is, Hey, why not? Again, this guy missed a ton of bats and then it just kind of fell apart. And Philadelphia is atrocious at young player development. Uh, let's see. So he was, he entered the Philadelphia system at the triple a level in 2018, started with Seattle, then was in San Diego for two years. Another atrocious developmental pipeline, so uh from twenty twenty-one, twenty two, he was moving a level a year, pitching well. Again, not missing really any bats, but the control numbers are slightly better. Uh, but he he I mean arguably those are two of the bottom five for pitcher developments. Uh, remember Nick Pavetto with the Red Sox? Uh, that was a failure with Philly. They couldn't figure him out. I remember seeing him in the All-Star game when we were all oohing and ah on him in the double A all-star game. And then Philadelphia couldn't figure out, let him go, and we saw what happened. Think about you know, how high a prospect is it Spencer Howard was or Spencer, you know, the, the, and then all the high picks. A lot of second round. You know, I know Kevin Gowdy was more due to injuries, but they had a lot of guys, and they, could, they just – Philly is a really bad developmental spot right now in general. Um, go through. Yeah, you got Reese Hoskins, but I, who else? It's not – I mean, that's a team that has bought its way to mediocrity, not to success, to mediocrity. Uh, going through that entire. OK, so this is not I'm at the wrong. So clicking on 2019 is not definitely. Though it was more of a Philly grown team then. Uh Reese Hoskins is the only intern and Alec bomb who, by the way, bombed this past year. Ha ha ha. Uh, you know, 75 OPS plus a 647 OPS. He was not good. Uh, he was often, you know, Brad Miller would play over him, and they'd shift their lineup uh, and, and do other things. Uh, ha- Baum ended up with 417 plate appearances. It was not good for that. I mean, Nick Maton might be their third best uh, internally developed uh, hitter. Pitching-wise, uh, Aaron Nola has regressed a little through the years. I can't, You almost read he's there, but he's been a success. Zach Eflin was a trade piece. God, they had Matt Moore this past year was fourth on their team in innings. I had almost thought he had retired. Uh, it shows how much I'm paying attention to Philly. But yeah, it's uh it's not a good team and it's not, it's a really bad team at development. It, it just, you know, Nola was a very developed pitcher when he came to them uh, uh, as a draft pick. One of the most ready guys, but you give him credit for F- Elf line. Um, Let's see, when did they get it? Oh, yeah, San Diego. Uh, he was still in high A at the time. So yeah, those two guys, but it's a bad, you know, long story short, short story long, I guess more. Uh, De Los Santos came up in two of the worst pitching development uh, pipelines in baseball. He still got to the big leagues, was still successful in the minors, missed a ton of bats, walked a bunch of guys, which is unlike what his data showed for him in terms of, um, minor league performance. He's a big kid who can miss bats, who can be coached up. There's a lot to like there. There's a lot of potential. I I expect him to be part of the Indians bullpen this year. I expect them to work with him, figure it out. He is, you know, it, it, he's not even arbitration eligible until 2024. He's only got a year of service time. Can't be a free agent until after 2026. Again, a big righty. And I wouldn't even like, necessarily say he's 25 years of age that he has done as a starter. Uh, he will likely start the year in the minors. he gets that spring training invite, but they're going to want to work with him in the minors. and for good reason, he's had likely you know less than coaching. And you know I've always wanted to work in baseball. I know I shoot myself in the foot when I make statements like this, but it's you can just look at that pipeline of development and be like there is something wrong here. something is not working. Uh, with both those teams, because it is it's clear as day. I mean, it just it has not been good for either of them. And both of those organizations that have had several high draft picks, several very well uh, regarded foreign players flame out. And, you know, it just keeps when it happens, like, you know, that's the old expression, you know, if, if if you think everyone's a jerk, then uh, maybe you're the jerk, uh, you know, make this more family friendly, it's a family friendly show. But yeah, uh, I, I think it's an interesting signing, A, because you just, again, at one point during this year, he was striking out 30% of batters he faced. Uh, he was missing bats at a high rate. He comes from two bad developmental systems, and uh, you're going to put him in a place. Now, the Indians aren't necessarily the best at refinement, but his numbers in the minors already showed a guy with good control. So maybe they can work on a few things. If they can get him to be consistently that guy he was in the first half, that looked like a major league reliever. Uh, so that, and that's why his agents <laughs> agreed to this deal. It's an ideal landing spot, an ideal situation. And, uh, what pitcher wouldn't want to come work with the Cleveland Indians with the track record they have? We're going to come back and talk about, uh, two more defections from the Cleveland Indians organization, and then we'll get into the news. Uh, we'll kind of leave the CBA for another day. We'll get into the latest batch of, uh, free agent signings. And that sponsor today is BetOnline.ag. Uh, Bet Online has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before, as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, to the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So let's talk about some changes to the Indians' front office before we do. I want to again thank you for making Locked On in Indians your first listen today and every day. Free and available wherever you get podcasts. But uh, yeah, so the Indians kind of flew a little under the radar. Uh, Two uh, longtime Cleveland. Uh, front office types, I mean, they've kind of done everything through their times, um, are leaving the organization. Uh, Dan Poplin is going to be a special assistant to uh, Dayton Moore, who's the president of the Royals. Uh, You know, it's essentially the GM role without the GM title. It's the way they're now stratifying. It's uh, now, it's all the same stuff, but this way you can name someone as general manager. And sometimes, you know, they have final say, and sometimes they don't. Uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, good on Dan Poplin. I am, I not as familiar with him. I have to be perfectly honest in my interactions through the years, getting to know, you know, just a sparse few people. And then the ones who came up through, um, as writers first. So then, you know, there was that background there or just the ones when we were at Indians Baseball Insider that we had some connection with. Um, I didn't get to know Dan. Dan, uh, was a scout with, I believe the, Mariners and Braves, but I mean, he'd been with the Indians for the last 20 years. So good on him for getting a promotion. Um, it's, you know, anyone in that front office, it's, it's well deserved. The bigger one, um, is John Mirabelli going to the nationals as a special assistant to Mike Rizzo. This one's interesting because Mirabelli was a great dude. I mean, everyone who has ever interacted, has a positive Mirabelli story, I feel like. Um, He was very open, very honest through, uh, you know, he he was a guy that would, he didn't give us information in Ian's Baseball Insider, but, like, he would actually sit down and do interviews. I mean, Ross Atkins did as well. Back in the day, Tony would interview Mirabelli and Atkins often. Like, he just had those connections in the front office. But John Mirabelli was a, a, you know, a, a pretty sizable connection for that website um and how to phrase this nicely unfortunately john marabelli's time as scouting director of the indians coincides with one of the five worst stretches of drafting in the indians organization uh, when we talk about like those mark shapiro era when he was in charge of the indians uh, you know, that, that's that period where between Lonnie Chisenhall and CC Sabathia, there was not a first rounder who, uh, uh, you know, accumulated like a war greater than four for the Indians. Like, I mean, it was just a dead, dead zone for, you know, over a decade, they could not get it for, and it's the second rounder who it's even worse. I mean, it was, uh, Kipnis was the, you know, the, the guy who broke that stretch, uh, frankly since then it hasn't been that strong we'll see if like nolan jones and ty freeman can change things but uh the second round, i mean zach sornston was like your best second was like the only second round pick to make the majors i mean it wasn't even that they weren't getting up or that they were getting up and not doing much they weren't even getting to the big leagues so yeah it was not um and they had a lot of high picks because uh, he became scouting director i want to say head of our amateur scouting and it was either 99 or 01, but you know, officially when they kind of turned that corner, uh, and were rebuilding, and we talked about some of those like the Sowers and the other guys with those high picks, the Bo Millses. Uh, most of those picks we discuss on the uh, the you know, why these prospects missed, those were, a lot of them came from that era. So you're <laughs> probably like, wow, you're really running this guy down. Uh, I mean, he'd also, when you're the director of amateur scouting that means it's the amateur scouting he became the head of scouting um eventually and bud grant got the title and uh i think some of grant's early work was just amazing and then there were some lulls and ups and downs and that's how it's going to be but it's definitely turned a corner uh mirabelli was you know integral though in a lot of those um lopsided talent uh minor league talent trades as he moved up to you know just head of the scouting department, and not amateur scouting. You can go through and see his his uh, his influence, just even on the roster today. When you consider the fact that I believe was, I'd have to go look at the exact year that he he moved up the ladder. But you know he uh, and he was there for and front and center for a lot of the changes in this system, a lot of where they are with their success now, and the approach and what they've instituted, and in a lot of the thinking. Yes, it, it does start at the very top. Mirabelli had been here for 22 years. He had been part of the minor leagues, like an integral part as you know, head of scouting for a long time. He got to see where things weren't working. He was there, um, you know, like I said, during the dark times. And uh, he was there when it started to turn the corner, and he was a part of that, and he helped to do that, which makes sense that the Nationals want him because their minor league development has been poor. Uh, there's no other way around it. I mean, their most recent, like, big-name prospect, Carter Kaboom. How has that worked out? He, well, I, I mean, I really liked him in his draft year, uh, not just because he was a follower for his draft year. Hardly knew ye. But, uh, you know, he was a, a relatively high-rated prospect, multiple-time top 100 guy, and he's still not a starter in the big leagues. I mean, with 414 plate appearances over the last three years, a 197 batting average, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean he's he may, I mean he's a potential uh, by next season or maybe the season after that. You know, it's like he may be let go. Uh, it hasn't gone well. You can look at those other picks, guys like Seth Romero, uh, Eric Fetty. Um, why am I blanking on their first round pick? Who was the high school kid who was hurt that everybody loved? Yeah, um, uh, I'm gonna have to look that up. But yeah, it's it's just. They've done a really poor job, the developmental system. You're like, Juan Soto. I'm like, yes, Juan Soto. Uh, I mean, there was talk that they might release Victor Robles. Remember, Robles was the top prospect, not Soto for all those years in the system. Uh, Giolito wasn't until he left that he got good. Rendon was was solid. Mason Denneberg, that was the the pitcher I was thinking about. And, uh, you know, we'll see about guys like House, Cavalli, Rutledge, Denenberg hasn't even pitched since 2019 due to health, um, so that's that's an issue. Uh, and then, I mean, Jackson Rutledge is a huge kid taken in 2019, and that 2019 class just it this it killed him the uh, having that off year. Uh, they're now very often old for the level, or you know, it, Rutledge he threw night uh, no, that's AFL he threw 36 innings this year. That's a pretty low amount. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, development's been a massive issue for the Nationals. Like, why did they win a World Series and completely fall apart? I mean, that World Series was built on, like, oh, man, you know, it, being an old man, I'm having my all my memory fall apart moments now. Uh, and I know, many of you are out there, like, you're much younger than me. On the this network, <laughs> on Lockdown, I'm like, might as well get me my walker and my Social Security check. Uh, I'm, you know, the, the old dude. Uh, unlocked On, but uh, I'm blanking on, you know, the guy who won the World Series MVP for him. You know, they had Astrubal Cabrera. They had all these other guys, a lot of retreads and, you know, big name free agent pitching. But internally, yeah, they had Rendon, Rendon who then left as a free agent. And Juan Soto is, of course, one of the best players in baseball. But uh, it makes perfect sense. And again, yes, Mirabelli's track record when you take a first look is you kind of go, ooh, okay, this guy was scouting director. It was as bad as it gets, but, and the big but, and the reason he is hired here, and the reason that it's a good get by the Nationals, is he was also there when everything turned. When the Indians became a model farm system, who was, you know, in the positions of power, uh, you know, focused on the Miners, it was John Marabelli. And again, I wish I could give you more on Dan Poplin. I am sure he's gonna be a great ad in general for that uh, organization for Kansas City. I just don't have the experience and the knowledge as much there, but I guarantee you he's more than capable of doing his job. I'm gonna come back in a moment and uh, talk about the latest batch of uh, big name free agent signings and uh, kind of how the relief market's gotten a little crazy. And while I'm recording this, we are mere hours away from the lockout officially happening. We know it is going to happen. Uh, that has not slowed down the starting pitcher market. Uh, you know, just how about uh, the Red Sox today? For uh, a team that, you know, got as far and as deep as they did, uh, they added James Paxton, who probably won't pitch next year, and they got a two-year deal for that reason. I mean, I, there may not be a more injury-prone player in baseball. They also added Rich Hill to add to their depth, and remember they added Michael Waka before uh you know just a few weeks ago uh you know chris taylor re-signed with the dodgers one of the big names marcus stroman to the cubs on a, I mean he took he took the money it was like three years 73 million with an opt-out after year two uh cubs are you know at least trying they're going out and at making some additions we'll see what else they do uh, I, I don't feel like they're a very good team in general but uh hey at least they're you know there's an attempt being made uh pitching uh starting pitching dylan bundy to the twins uh he gets five million uh, with uh let's see so it's i was sorry i was trying to read it's a one-year deal with a club option so he was really bad this past year <laughs> there's no way around it he was really bad in 2021 but he was really good in 2020 and he had a top 10 Cy young finish Uh, Of course, for most of his career, he has never approached that level. Um, You know, some of those early years, it's easy to forget how, you know, he was viewed as maybe the greatest high school pitching prospect ever when he was drafted. That's how high people were on Dylan Bundy when he was coming out. Of course, he went to the Orioles, which is a death wish for a young developing pitcher. And, uh, you know, he had the huge breakout with la and then he was really bad and he's you know the twins are in a position why not gamble i think it's a smart thing and uh if you can get him to rebound even remotely they have a good price for him you know bundy was the the players taken before him were garrett cole danny holtson and trevor bauer uh after him you have vuba starling anthony rendon archie bradley francisco lindor javi baez and then Corey spanberger uh, we might as well go to 11 because you had George Springer there. it's. I mean, the 2011 draft, eventually we'll touch on it. It might be a multi-day or it, it might be the greatest draft of my lifetime. I have never seen a draft where the t- first 29 picks all made the big leagues. I mean, it just everyone made at least an appearance or two. I mean, sure, Chris Reed had uh, two games. He's, he's the low man, but everyone got there. Uh, that's unheard of. So eventually we'll talk about that draft class. But that Dylan Bundy was a solid get. Uh, You know, all the pitching the Padres have, all that pitching, all that starting pitching, all those trades they've made. uh, They went and signed Nick Martinez, four years, 20 million. If you haven't been following the Nick Martinez story, uh, he is one of those guys who went over to Korea and pitched really well. And uh, he was utterly dominant this past year for them. Um, 1.62 1.62 ERA struck out, uh, 20, basically 25% of batters walked about 7%. Uh, he has increased his uh, velocity over there. He's still in the low nineties. Uh, he's got the change, you know, it's been a mixed bag. Uh, Chris Flexen was good for Seattle. Merrill Kelly was really good. Miles Miklos was up then down. Josh Lindblom was just released by the Brewers. Um, Uh, this Martinez contract is the richest of any of these players that went to Korea and came back to the United States. And it's, again, it's another starter for a San Diego team that, you know, I know you always have injury concerns, but they're supposed to get back Clevenger. You know, they have Snell, they have uh, Joe Musgrove, who was probably their best pitcher over the course of last year. They still have you Darvish, correct? Right. And uh, Dyson Lamette and Chris Paddock. Um, but right now it's like Dyson Lamette. I, I know he wasn't as strong last year. He's projected into their pen. Uh, it's, you know, their starting rotations, Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, Clevenger, Martinez right now is what the roster resource has. Uh, yeah, I, you know, we'll see what, what the Padres do. They're a weird team. They also added, you know, we had the discussion just a few days ago about Jorge Alfa, uh, Alfaro, they're the team that traded for him. They're the team that acquired him uh, to be their backup catcher, essentially. So uh, speaking of the Padres, uh, they also added Luis Garcia, who they gave $7 million to. Uh, He was good for the Cardinals last year, uh, and he was good for Philly in 2017. But he is the epitome of a reliever. He has some high highs and some low lows. And he's like one of my favorite types. First year in the big leagues, 101 ERA plus. Then a 60. Then a 110. Then a 66. A 163. A 68. A 107. A 62. 121. I know logically, this whole idea that I have that some guys just seem to perform better every other year, Uh, it it shouldn't hold up. But it just seems to happen. I don't know if someone like doesn't put in the work after having a great year and they fall back and they really work. I don't know what happens or why it happens. But uh, the Phillies just gave him one year, seven million, for his off year. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, like I've seen too much of this through the years, where I wouldn't have touched him with a ten foot pole. I just, I would not have, I would not have taken that gamble on a one year. Oh no, it's a, it's a two year contract that's uh, worth seven million in total. So hey, maybe that balances out for them. I don't know, I. I'm fascinated by him. I'm glad he signed. Uh you know, I'm happy for anyone who gets gets their money. But I thought that was interesting. How about Mark? Uh I always butcher his name, Melancic. Two uh two years, fourteen million to the Diamondbacks. I know he was an all star last year for San Diego and he was very good for San Diego and he's been you know, for a guy who he was a huge prospect with the Yankees. I don't know how many people remember that, but like there was talk he was going to replace Mariano. He was supposed to be the guy and he just never pitched in New York. Well, like, and he didn't get a whole lot of opportunities, only about like uh 20 odd innings. Uh, it, it took him some time to figure it out. And essentially, you know, he went to Houston, didn't go particularly well. It uh, didn't go terrible. You know, he had 2010, 2011. He's okay. Ends up in Boston. That doesn't work really gets together in Pittsburgh and, You know, he had a bit of a a dip in there with that one year at San Francisco, but since then he's been really good and really consistent. So if you're going to, I saw a lot of people being like, why is anyone paying Melancic? I'm like, because he's good for 65 innings. Yes, he's 36, but he's been finding consistency in a reliever is the number one thing. Someone who is consistently good. We just talked about Luis Garcia and the back and forth. Uh, Melancic is consistently good, and that is exactly why you go out and pay that dude. Uh, Corey Kniebel got $10 million, I wanted to point out. And then, uh, I also have to talk about the Padres heading Robert Suarez, who's been pitching over in Japan. So they double-dipped in those, uh, those players from, uh, the... who went over to, uh, to increase their stock in Japan and come back. Uh, we'll see if, uh, there's still some time. Remember, it's not till, uh, 11.59. Uh, but after that, I mean, I don't think we'll hear anything until, um... Uh, maybe February, we can get lucky. I think it's going to be a bit of a pull because people aren't going to be pushing for everything to come back um, until you know, it, until we get close to the season. Until like pitchers and catchers are supposed to report and they don't report, um, and that is going to be when pressure starts getting put on there. Um, and we'll see how things go from there. But right now, I mean, it's, I'm recording it as 11 o'clock in my time zone. So we are officially into the lockout as I'm recording. Happy lockout, everyone. Uh, have a great evening. Uh, thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day free and available everywhere you get podcasts. Uh, and as we now say, go, go guardians go.